Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. So today we continue the series, We Believe, that we've been doing all through the season of Lent. It's a time that we're looking at uh, the Apostles' Creed, uh, one of the very earliest formulations of a statement of belief by Christians. Uh, and and it's, it's an important study. That's why we chose to do it during uh, Lent. Uh, and, and there's also, even it's not just in, on Sundays, we have several different uh, study groups who are studying a book called Creed, not the movie. That's right, not that. That's a whole different thing. Creed, which is the study of the Apostles' Creed by Adam Hamilton. And so uh, we, we go through these formulations of looking at I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, and today we'll begin with I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so will you listen for the word of the Lord? Good morning. My name is Nelson Smith, and I will be reading from Acts 2, 1 through 4, 17 through 18, and 21. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire lighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nelson, thank you for reading. And by the way, that's a great look with that beard and the trees behind you and everything. Nice job, Nelson. That was awesome. So I wish I had had my notes in front of me a moment ago because I realized I, afterwards I missed something. I'm wondering if uh, the folks running in the booth could go back to the slides for the Apostles' Creed. Oh, here we go. So we don't normally do the Apostles' Creed during this service, so, but during this series, we are doing it, and I meant to do it a moment ago, and I apologize for doing that. So, will you say the Apostles' Creed with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so this uh, creed affirms these, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? The Trinity. <clears throat> uh, most ancient creeds do. And the idea is that the, those, those three persons of the Trinity are three manifestations, three expressions of God's presence and power. And so there are some that have uh, gone to words like God the Creator, 
the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. Those are different activities of God, not necessarily saying those are the only activities of God, but different activities, expressions, manifestations of God. And so, uh, so today we get to, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's the first of six statements that conclude the Apostles' Creed. And really, all of them kind of tie in with the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to talk about, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then we'll just take the next couple of statements. And then next week we'll, uh, we'll finish up with those last three statements. <clears throat> and so today we'll, we'll look at that section that is, I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. So, first things first, I think it's probably easy just to go ahead and start here, uh, the low-hanging fruit. Why do, we, why do we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church? I, you know, as a pastor, uh, of all the questions I've been asked, I've probably been asked that one more frequently than most other questions. Why do we say we believe in the Catholic Church? Uh, well, you note that it is a lowercase c. It is a lowercase c. Um, it is not a capital C or uppercase. It's lowercase. And so that's uh, uh, something to, to note that, uh, uh, that, it's that, that it's that way. Now, sometimes when you're, if you're typing it out, sometimes autocorrect or autofill, right, will pop it up capitalized. So you may have to go back and undo that. Uh, or you'll see it in a print printed somewhere, and that's, that's probably what happened. But it, it just it means universal. It, it means uh, the, the church worldwide, right? Here's, I, I, I'm always interested in the, in the origin of words. And so uh, there's a website. I found this information uh, about uh, the word Catholic. Uh, the general sense of embracing all or universal in English, comes from the 1550s, and the meaning of not narrow-minded or bigoted is from the 1580s. So even back then, the, the word was in development, and it really ha- didn't necessarily have anything to do with religion, per se. I mean, you could say something of a person that, well, that, that gentleman has a Catholic spirit about him, and it just means he's, he has a broad perspective. He wants to hear all kinds of different opinions, and he's, he's not narrow-minded or bigoted, right? So that's where that uh, that's where that comes from, and, and there is a contemporary version of the Apostles' Creed. This was the traditional version, and the contemporary one does say, "I believe in the Church Universal." So now you know. If you didn't know before, you can tell your friends that. And so uh, you have this Acts chapter two. Uh, this is a very, very, very significant passage for Christians. It is the story of the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. And, uh, and, and the, the emphasis here is it was born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave birth, in a sense, to the church. And, um, but this, is, this Holy Spirit is something that uh, has been throughout the Bible. Some, some of you, probably very few of you, might have heard of the Holy Spirit referred to as the Holy Ghost. See, when I was a kid, that's pretty much the only way it was referred to, was the Holy Ghost. And even in, the, in a lot of the liturgies and prayers and things, it was the Holy Ghost. And uh, as a kid, you know, watching cartoons with ghosts in it, they were kind of scary. And I thought, well, I, I don't like this. But, but there was also the cartoon of Casper the Friendly Ghost. Casper the Friendly Ghost. So I'm, I, just, I thought, well, I'm just going to believe that the Holy, Holy Ghost is a friendly ghost. 
It's all through the Old Testament. I mean, from the very beginning of creation, when uh, it said the, the earth was without form and void, but God's Spirit moved across the face of the deep. That's the Spirit at work. When the first humans were created, God breathed life into the first humans. That's the Spirit at work. All through the Old Testament is, uh, are uh, mentions of the, the work of the Spirit of God. And you get to the New Testament, and you have John the Baptist who says, uh, you know, I'm baptizing you with water, but the one who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit frequently. Even earlier in the Creed, we affirm that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He talks about the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John. Uh, Sometimes he'll he'll call the Spirit a counselor, the advocate, a comforter. The presence of the Spirit in your life, in those manifestations. Well, that's all because the word that is used, uh, beginning in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, is a word that can mean, depending on the context, it can mean spirit, breath, or wind. And so when God breathed into uh, the first humans, Adam and Eve, it was God's Spirit that enlivened them, right? So, um, so then you have uh, this Acts chapter 2. So let me talk about what was going on in Acts chapter 2. Because we didn't read uh, the whole thing. Um, Jesus had previously talked to his followers and said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there. Because you will receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the believers are gathered in this place, and they're gathered there at the time of the Greek. Well, in the Greek, they would say Pentecost, 50 days, 50 days after Passover commemoration. Now, in Hebrew, it would have been called the Feast of Weeks, weeks. It was, the, it was this festival of the wheat harvest. That was, and so what they would do is at, at the wheat harvest, people, the, the faithful devout Jews, it said devout Jews from all, all these nations were coming to Jerusalem. That's because when you have your harvest, you need to take the first fruits to offer to God. So you want to go to the temple where there will be worship services and commemorations and you're going to make your offering of your grain to the priests there who will then use that for the sake of God's people in the community. And so all these people have come. Now, when they, when they come, the, uh, in the scripture passage, if we read the whole thing, there's like 15 different regions, cultures, nations mentioned. Well, that's because, remember, from the Old Testament, all this, this history that they, the Jews had scattered over the number of years. When they were overthrown by the Assyrians, when they were overthrown by the Persians, and that would cause them to leave their homeland and go to different places. And so after many, many generations, they might still know Hebrew because they are faithful Jews, and yet they would be speaking a different language. And so there they are in Jerusalem where the primary language that's going to be spoken is Hebrew, and as they're going by this building where the believers are gathered, this wind blows through, God's Spirit blows through, and the people begin to speak. Now, some people confuse this to be an incident of what some of you may be familiar with in uh, charismatic churches of the gift of tongues, where people uh, uh, pray in a, in a sense in a prayer language, but it's unintelligible to others. 
That's not what this is. This is a case of people speaking in known languages. Because here's the people outside the building that are all of a sudden they're like, I, I, hear, my, I hear my own language. Some of you might have experienced this if you've traveled internationally. Um, I, I've done some of that. And in some language, if some of us, you know, you know a little bit of a language, you can kind of figure it out as you go. Uh, or there's people where you are that do speak some English, even, even with an accent, but they speak English. Um, I, I took a group uh, several years ago to Haiti to do some work, uh, work project. And uh, while we were there, I don't know if you've ever been to Haiti, but they, they speak Creole, French Creole. So it's French that's been modified, so to speak, that fits their culture over the number of years. And so it's a language I don't understand a word of it, right? All of us, we're like, we don't understand anything anybody says to us. So we had done kind of a half day of a touristy kind of thing. We had gone to the National Museum in Port-au-Prince, and, and boy, the crowds, there's just tons of crowds, and they're always pressing in on you, and, uh, and so we, had, we were outside, and, and, and we heard someone speak English with a, an American accent, and I'm not kidding, all of us in the group are like, wait, <laughs> where is that, where did that come from, I heard, I heard it, there was something about being in that place and hearing, our, hearing it, words in our own language, that it just felt like, oh, this is good. This is, this is safe. We, we didn't know the person at all, but we felt like we had a connection, right? So imagine those, believe, those people going in Jerusalem, walking by a building, all of a sudden they're hearing this from... How, how would they know my language? The Spirit had empowered them to speak in these languages so that they could be the witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It kind of reminds me of that saying that God's not going to call you without equipping you. Or if, or if God, equip, God calls you, God equips you. So that's, that is what is going on there in uh, Acts chapter 2. And so you have this understanding that the Holy Spirit has come so that, so that God's people can tell and show the good news of Christ. But we're going to see that it's also about serving within the faith community with your God-given gifts. It's about both. It's about both. So it's about, yes, we gotta, we're, going to, we're going to exhale, and we're going to go, and we're going to tell. But we're also going to inhale. And we're, going to, we're going to make sure we're good here. And then we're going to exhale, and we're going to inhale. The Spirit is at work in both of those and both are essential in the life of the church. So, all this is lived out by the church or the communion of saints. We believe in the communion of saints. We typically think of saints as those who have died, who have gone before us. We even have an All Saints Day somewhere around November. November 1st is All Saints Day. We'll do some kind of commemoration somewhere around there of those who have died in the past year. But in the New Testament, when, when it's talking about the saints, it's about the people in the churches. When Paul writes his letter, it's to the saints at that place. The saints are the people in the church. It's the congregation. It's the communion of saints, the gathering and the life together of the saints. So in this life together, in this communion of saints, uh, we uh, hear this beautiful sermon by Peter. I mean, again, if you read all of chapter 2, this, this, you know, this guy who used to just blurt things out, <laughs> uh, 
totally unscripted and ill-timed and awkward at best. But it's this beautiful sermon. And in the sermon, he quotes Joel chapter 2, and he says, this is to fulfill what the prophet Joel said. This is at least part of what was said in this sermon. Now, and Nelson read it a little bit ago. Joel 2, verse seven, starting with verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, I reread that because it's important to to catch this because those were pretty radical words at the time of Peter, and, and certainly at the time of Joel, the prophet, it was back in the Old Testament. It's not just about men, no, it's about men and women. It's not just about the old, it's not just about the young, it's both. And it's not just about people who, who are financially solvent. No, it's about your servants too. All people. All people. So part of what that also reminds us of is that uh, there's no one congregation that is the church, uppercase, the church. There's no denomination that is the church. There will be some who certainly try to say that they are. I, I don't see that in the Scripture anywhere. Church universal, yes, yes. So, you know, I'll, I'll often tell stories from my own life and experiences just as an illustration, but, uh, but today it just gets, kind of fits that for me to tell part of my testimony. Um, uh, uh, so, I'll, what I've, I've said before, many of you know, I was, I was raised near Lubbock, a uh, small town, uh, Littlefield is the town, and in that town, uh, pretty much everything back in the day uh, was about agriculture. Right? And, and people who worked in, in fields related to agri- agriculture. Um, so, and, that, and that's just, that's, that's where I grew up. And that was in the day before, well, you had three TV stations. Maybe four, if you're lucky. If you could get the antenna just right to get the PBS station. Uh, and, and back in the day, there were, of course, no social media, no electronic things. And even, and even when you watch the news, they were still under the, and I can't remember the exact name, but like the Fair Reporting Act or something like that, so that news outlets had to present balanced views of the events. Crazy idea. But in that, in that so in that, what, I guess my point is, you kind of live in, a, in that bubble. It's not like we were traveling all over the, the country or all over the world, no, no one did. And you, so you were just kind of right here. And so what that means is anytime anyone grows up in any kind of bubble, you just grow up thinking everything about this is right. Everything about this is good. And if you hear of something that somebody who thinks a different way or acts a different way outside that bubble, you're like, oh, well, that's wrong. <laughs> right? It's, you're right, it's wrong. And especially if you're a Christian, well, that's not Christian. So in this uh, bubble that I, I grew up in, um, uh, Christianity was, was definitely a, of the conservative flavor. 
Uh, and after a while, when I was a teenager, it became very common for us to call ourselves evangelical Christians. Uh, and, and so we went to the church camps where we evangelical Christian kids went, and uh, we read the books that evangelical Christian kids read and, uh, and that. And, and, and what I heard time and time and time and time and time again was, uh, you know, we're evangelical, which but you may or may not know this. That's, that's based on the word evangel, which is the bringer of good news. The bringer of good news. And so our, the, the, what we were taught was our existence is about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Because we want them to be, the words we use then, we want them to be saved, want them to be born again, want them to invite Jesus into their heart, right? And so, and it was, a, it was I mean, just drill into us, that's what we are here to do to everybody all the time. And so, um, so yeah. However, I was raised in a home where I was allowed, even invited, uh, to think deeply about things, to observe things, to ask lots of questions. And, and so one of the things I observed at one point, I was kind of in my late teens, I guess, early, late teens, maybe early 20s. I was, I was around a bunch of friends, of course, who were all evangelical Christians. You know how we, you know, you know we do that, right? We tend to cluster with people that think like us. So I was in my group of you know, friends who were all evangelical Christians. And, and in, in the conversation, something came up about uh, a social issue, let's just say, uh, and, and people who had a really different view of that social issue than we did. And to hear my friends say, oh, well, we're just, just going to ignore them. And I said, well, aren't we supposed to witness to them? Well, no, 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 no. They've made up their mind. They're, they're not. But, but wait. It was like this exclusionary tactic. We, we're, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about the goodness of Jesus to people that we, that we like. Okay, well, wait. And there was, for me, this giant disconnect. And so it was a troubling moment for me. And so I would thought about this a lot uh, over the time. And, and I came to a point while I was in college. I decided... I'm not, I'm not going to carry any other banner than that of Christ. That's it. I'm not, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to put a word, a qualifier, an adjective, a descriptor before Christian. I'm not going to say I'm a whatever Christian. I'm a Christian. Do you have, in, my, in my view, and this is my story. Not everybody would agree with me. This is just my story. I just thought... Isn't it enough to say you're a Christian? I'm a follower of Christ. Do I need to describe that somehow? That's kind of a world-changing thing to say I am a follower of Christ. I don't need to add a word in front of that. So in in, in my circles, uh, which have uh, pretty all, pretty much always been church circles, I grew up in the church, and and here I am. Um, I had some of, the, some, of my, some of my friends I had no idea what to do with me anymore. They didn't know because they were like, "Wait, you're not calling yourself an evangelical Christian? No? So, do you do you believe? Well, of course I do. I'm a Christian. Oh, so you're an evangelical? No, I didn't say that. I'm just a Christian. Oh, you become liberal? Nope. Nope. Right? We want we want to label people. 
We humans so much want to label somebody. And I kept trying to say, my label is Christian. That's it. To me, everything after that is for conversation. And we're going to have differences of opinion, and we're not going to see everything the same way. And yet, we can be shoulder to shoulder and say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in His only Son, Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified and dead and buried, third day He rose from the dead. Not because we agree on everything, but because Christ has made it possible for us to be there. Christ has made it possible for us to, to ha- for the Spirit of God to be poured out on us, to be the communion of saints. Not that we all agree on things. So, I had a, a, a friend <laughs> after I went to seminary, and I chose to go to a seminary uh, very intentionally, you might guess, that was not the, the highlighted uh, evangelical Christian seminary. I also did not go to the seminary that everybody knew was the liberal seminary. I didn't go to either one of them. I went to a different one. And I had, I had friends who didn't know what to do with that. And I just remember one guy, I was at a church meeting, I was just sitting there waiting for things to get started, and he came over to me and said, hey, I heard where you went to seminary. Yeah. And he said, what was that like? I said, it was a great experience. Well, I, I could tell, he, he had no idea what to say. Well, brother, I'll pray for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think we could all use, use prayer. Thank you for that. I, I'll, keep, I'll, keep my, I'll keep praying for you. Okay. Didn't know what to do with me because he couldn't peg me somehow. Of course, then I just began to enjoy that. Um, I, I, I'm a Christian. And, and when I read about the birth of the church and I read uh, Peter saying this fulfills uh, the prophet Joel that God will pour out God's spirit on all people. I think that means something. I think it's serious. We have to take it seriously. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to meet people where they are, tell them the good news about Jesus through our words, our example, and our service. Jesus is not looking for people who are conservative or liberal or progressive or evangelical or charismatic or... Jesus isn't looking for Jesus is looking for people. And the Spirit of God has been poured out on us to be able to go to those people and let them know about Christ. Because Jesus is about the church universal. So while we talk about our church, we understand we're a part of the communion of saints. We are the, we are the Stonebridge United Methodist Church expression of the communion of saints that also extends into every neighborhood and city, and nation around the world. So the Holy Spirit gives birth to the church so that we can do life in such a way that it creates an alternative to the relationships that the world offers us. And it can be a place where we can take care of one another and live into our God-given gifts, and we can go and share the good news with the world. We believe in the church universal. So be it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.